0: Good morning Grace Fellowship Church. It's lovely to see you this morning. My name is Gene Williams. I'm one of the preachers here. Welcome. I went to school at Penn State and a friend of mine in college, he had a great love for people and at the same time he loved truth. He was a man of playful joking and intimate knowledge of God. He would Show me silly YouTube videos and then five, minute late, five minutes later we'd be talking about how to be a Christian in politics. And as I grew in my relationship over the years, it, it became clear to me how much he loved truth and how he would not budge on God's truth. I remember that we were biking home one evening, we both were on our bikes and we stopped at an art museum uh, to have a serious conversation. And I was dating a non-Christian at the time and basically said to him, hey, I know she's a non-Christian, but I'm probably just going to marry her anyway. And he said, Gene, I wouldn't do that. Have you considered what God says about that sort of thing? Um, and I remember it hitting me really hard because I was expecting him just to say, yeah, okay, and just let me go. But he was a man who who just loved the truth of God's Word, and he wouldn't budge, even if it was uncomfortable, even if it hurt my feelings. And that's what we're going to consider this morning. We're going to consider the truth and how it must be preached. We're going to consider why we preach the Word. We're going to consider what happens when we preach the Word of God. If you're new or visiting with us, a sincere welcome to you. We've been going through the, the book of Second Timothy and considering the life of Paul. He's right now at the end of his ministry. He's in prison, awaiting his execution, likely in Rome. And these are his, his dying words to his chief disciple, Timothy. And so I'm going to start reading verse one of chapter four. It's on page 579 if you have one of these Bibles. And go ahead and turn there. I will pray as you turn there. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your truth. We rejoice, Lord, in your word. We pray that you would help us to study it this morning. Help us to preach it and change us by it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 2 Timothy 4, chapter chapter 4, verse 1. Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So, why preach the Word? Paul has a mighty charge for Timothy. He says, Timothy, in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ Jesus, in the presence of his kingdom, his appearing, he is shouting on the paper. He is screaming, Timothy, by all of these things, here's what I charge you to do. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Why should I preach, Paul? Verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they'll find teachers that suit their own passions. They'll wander off into myth. This is like a person who goes to the doctor and they get scans and all the scans come back undoubtedly cancerous. But instead of acknowledging the diagnosis, instead of letting family members know and and thinking about possible treatment options, instead of doing that, this man wanders off, refusing to believe his diagnosis. And he lives in the myth. This is the the type of people that Paul is talking about. And and you might be wondering, okay, why would people wandering away from the truth be a reason to preach the truth? well there needs to be somebody preaching the truth in order for people to wander away right people wandering away necessitates that somebody is speaking the words of god and that's that's what paul is saying to timothy timothy keep going do the ministry that you have received from jesus fulfill your ministry preach the word and so so why do we preach the word? People are turning. Why else do we preach the word? Generations are passing. Generations are passing. Verse 6 For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Paul's not talking about his flight out of Rome, he's talking about his death. He's saying, Timothy, I have fought like a warrior i have run like a sprinter i have kept the faith like a high security bank keeps people's money and now i'm staring death in the face and if paul is dying that means one less person to preach the word of god and and one less person doesn't even capture it because think about who paul is Paul is the spiritual father of Timothy. He was appointed by Jesus Christ for ministry, and God has used him to welcome Gentiles into the faith of Abraham, the gospel of Jesus. So one less person doesn't quite capture it when Paul dies, but the truth remains the same. He's dying and he's saying, Timothy, take my place. Step up, buddy. I'm not going to be around forever. Third reason. Paul, why should I preach the word? Paul says, Jesus is coming. Verse 8. There is a crown of righteousness that Jesus will place on my head. And not only to me, Timothy, but to everyone who loves his appearing. This is not the sticker that you get on your math homework for turning it in on time. Something that might be a little bit closer to this crown of righteousness is in Lord of the Rings at the end of the trilogy when Aragorn takes his rightful place on the throne. And it's this this elaborate ceremony, a coronation ceremony. Soldiers are dressed in full armor and there's, there's uh, much regal. Um, and Aragorn says, you four hobbits, stand. I want to recognize you for what you did in helping to destroy the rain. That's a little bit closer to, to what it will be like when Jesus places the crown of righteousness on our heads. So why does this matter? Jesus is coming. Why Why should I preach the word? Well, <coughs> You are stepping toward that crown of righteousness. You are taking steps of faithfulness in belief that Jesus is coming back and that he will one day take that crown and place it on your head for preaching his word. So how does this apply to your life? I know not everybody is going to be a, a preacher up here or, or in any other church, but given Where you are in life, use your application. Preach the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. Not everybody's going to be a Timothy preaching in the midst of false teaching, but if you're a mother, preach the Word to your children. Preach it to them when they're fighting, when they're discouraged. Preach it to them when they're encouraged. Read a psalm aloud to them and worship God together. Preach the word to your children. If you're a father, preach the word to your family. Wash your wife with the word. Study the scriptures with her and have that be a regular part of your marriage. Preach the word to your family. If you work in a a secular workplace, preach the Word by holding a Bible study over lunch or in the mornings before work. Welcome people, compel people to come study the Scriptures with you. Preach the Word. That's your workplace. If you're a teenager, one way that you can grow to preach the Word is to know the Word. Read the Bible over and over again through and through, because as you do that, God will form solid convictions in your heart. And you'll be able to, as you mature into adulthood, you'll be able to to share this word with other people, even as a young adult. So preach the word if you're a teenager. And I'll let it not unsaid, if you are a preacher here at Grace Fellowship, Preach the word. Well done in your labors. Do not grow weary of this labor. God wants his word to be preached. So why do we preach the word? People are turning. Generations are passing and Jesus is coming. Let's, let's move on. What happens to you? When you preach the word and your, your life may or may not look exactly like Paul's, but we're going to consider Paul this morning and read verses nine through the end of the chapter. What happens when you preach the word? Do your best to come to me soon for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself. And bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace. Be with you so these are some some pretty dark verses pretty depressing but there is hope in these verses what happens to you when you preach the word people oppose you verse 14 Alexander the Coppersmith did me great harm. And the the Lord will repay him. But Timothy, I want you to beware of him because he opposed what we were saying. He opposed our message. And this is right in line with what we saw last week, right? As the gospel is preached, there will be opposition. People don't like the gospel. Remember Janice and Jambres from last week. They opposed God's truth. But they did not prevail. What else happens when you preach the Word? Well, people desert you. Demas, verse 10, he has deserted me because he loves this present world. And then it gets worse. Verse 16, Paul says, at my first defense, and he's he's likely talking about his defense before Caesar, before he's thrown in jail, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. All deserted me. Can you imagine being deserted by all? What if it became illegal to be a Christian here in State College? And the authorities found out you are a Christian and and they dragged you off to court. And you pulled out your phone and you, you called people here in this church. And you texted them, hey, I've been arrested. Help, do something. And you get no response. Nobody replies to your text messages. Nobody answers your calls. Everybody deserts you. And I'm not saying that to, to cause you to worry about people in the church. I'm, I'm saying that to, to paint a picture of what Paul's going through. Everybody has deserted him. He's in a desperate situation. But, the Lord will rescue you. Here's the hope. Verse 17. But the Lord, He stood by me. He strengthened me. The Lord was there for me. He never left me. Ever. And as He strengthened me, I was able to share with the Gentiles the message of Jesus. Though everyone deserted me, The Lord rescued me from the lion's mouth. And this lion's mouth phrase, it it connects back to some Old Testament scripture, Psalm 22 and 1 Samuel 17, both about David. David was a a man of God a thousand years before Jesus. And in Psalm 22, he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Deliver me from the mouth of the lion. First Samuel 17 David is trying to convince the the king to let him fight God's enemy Goliath and he says the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion King Saul surely he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine and so as Paul uses that phrase the Lord delivered me from the mouth of the lion he's tapping into this this rich Old Testament imagery of God Rescuing in desperate situations. Even as Paul stands before Caesar defending his faith in Jesus. And nobody's there with him but the Lord. The song wasn't around then, but perhaps Paul was singing something like, All I have is Christ. Everyone's deserted me. All I have is Christ. So why does this matter? Why should you care about this? Well, if you're a Christian, it sets the record for you. It gives you an expectation. If you preach God's word, people will oppose you. If you preach God's word, you will lose friends. But you know who will never, ever leave you as you preach God's word? God. The Lord will stand by you and strengthen you. In fact, if you have nobody... Absolutely nobody but the Lord. You have everything. If you're a non-Christian here this morning, would you consider, what if you had someone who would never leave you, ever? Friends leave. Sometimes spouses leave. What if you had someone who would stick by you no matter what? And this person, we as Christians hope in, is Jesus. He stands by us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And so I invite you, if that sounds appealing to you, that's a good thing. God has promised never to leave us. And so I invite you to come to this God who will never leave you. Grace Fellowship Church. How else does this apply? What can you take from this for life? Know that God will never, ever, ever leave you. As you talk about the Bible on campus and as you lose friends, know that God will never, ever, ever leave you. As you talk with your neighbors and they're they, they're incredulous at you, you read the Bible, you 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 believe that, really? No. God is standing at your side. Let's say hypothetically you're going on a mission trip in early August, just hypothetically. As you share the truth of God in London, God will be at your side. You will. Get opposition. Not everybody is going to like what you say, but you know who's going to be with you? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus will be with you, your whole team, and that is worth going through all the opposition in the world. Worth going through any desertion, because He's going to be there. He's a solid rock. Children, this means that if you ever feel like you're really alone, you're not alone. God is always with you. Always. And as we close this morning, God will never leave us as we preach his truth. But he did leave one even though he preached God's truth. God left him. This man cried out, Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me, God? And you know what happened? God did not rescue him. But God always comes in, right? At the last minute, and He saves people who cry to Him? No, not this time. Jesus, as he cried out on the cross, bloody and nailed, he said, God, why have you forsaken me? And God turned his back. God did not rescue him. God did not deliver him. God let him suffer. God let him die. And the message of the Bible is that we as sinners, we deserve that forsakenness we deserve what Jesus got but Jesus he he takes our place so that now when we cry to him he never deserts us he never leaves us he stands by us no matter what no matter what and if you believe that this morning as a christian if if you really believe that wouldn't you want to tell everybody in the world about that isn't that amazing news god deserted jesus so that he will never desert me. He will never desert me even though that's what I deserve. What, what joy and, and, and what, what a privilege it is to preach that truth. And to share this message of God. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we have that hope as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your promise of never leaving us, never forsaking us. And God, we we think of how you left Jesus. You turned from Jesus. He cried out, but you did not deliver him. And Father, we, we rejoice in that Jesus took our place. And now we have life and blessing and grace. And you will never, ever, ever, ever desert us, God. Thank you. Lord, would you help us? Help us to preach this truth to others. In Jesus' name, amen.